Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hi, you guys. It's Anna David here with After Party Pod. I don't know if you can hear it, but I am on an entirely new recording device. Oh, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, hey, we talk about addiction, recovery, mental illness, super fun stuff. But actually, the weird thing is that we sort of try to make it as fun. It's fun. That's the weird part. It is fun. Um, Yeah. And if you're out there and you think, oh, my God. I don't know, I might have a problem with drinking or drugs or something like that. And the, the absolute last thing I want to hear about is getting sober, because that sounds like worse than dying. Welcome, because that's that's who this is for. Yeah, I mean, and other people, but, but mostly for you. So anyway, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but I am on a new recording device. And the reason I am on the new recording device, faithful listeners will know that uh, the, the audio situation has been a sort of never-ending drama, mostly for me, because I've had this Tascam this entire time that I was advised to get with these two mics, and it has caused me no end of drama. And I'm just going to say it's the Tascam DR100 MK2. And I mean, no end of drama. I, I mean, you guys complained for months when there was, you know, it's this really expensive recording thing and it just wouldn't work. And, and and the drama that I live with is every time a guest comes in, I have no idea if the SD card is going to work. It magically ends up working. But oftentimes I have three different cards and oftentimes it will just say card full when it's not full. And then, I, you know, I turn it on and off and I empty the card even though it's already empty and I put it back in and I, you know, walk around in a circle and it somehow works. Uh, one time with Alonzo Baden, we, we actually had to walk and get a new SD card, but it's always worked. Anyway, halfway through or like three quarters of the way through my interview with the, the guest you're about to hear, it just, nothing would work. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And we were having such a good conversation that we needed to finish. And so we finished on my iPhone. And look, if it sounds terrible the last 20 minutes, just know that we suffered for it. And look, if it's if it's that bad, stop listening. Um, but you want to listen because it's, it's just as good as the part that sounds good. Anyway, out of sheer frustration, I go to the Guitar Center and I explain my woes. And the guy can't explain why exactly this task him. I'm going to say it again. DR100 is so cursed. He too is flummoxed by it. He says, possibly I have the kind of warranty that I can send it in and have them fix it. I don't ever want to see it again. So then I buy instead this adorable little Tascam DR5. It's a billion times cuter. Um, it doesn't have any of those buttons and things that confuse me. And I'm recording this on that, and I love it so much. And you just turn it on and it works. It's the craziest. It just 
works. So it may be bye-bye Tascam DR100. Well, we did some stuff, and it looks like there was some card reformatting that helped the situation on that one, but whatever. It's moody as fuck. So anyway, that's that. Um, You are hearing a podcast that's been recorded on three different devices. So, you know, let me know your thoughts. Um, And what's going on with me? I don't know. I think, I can't remember how honest I was with you guys last time, but I was definitely going through it for for real. And, And it, as it were, completely lifted. And I realized that I'm somebody who gets really sad and really feels my feelings and then and then it lifts and and it's a great relief because i used to be somebody who only half felt her feelings so it would stay st- you know or the whole thing was about trying to resist those bad feelings so it would just stay and stay and stay and i would have low grade hmm just sort of i don't know it's just sort of gray and i don't know why and i don't know what to do and 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 um this this is really ephemeral and and painful while it happens and of course every time i think it's not going to end and then it just lifts. I don't know if you call that a surrender. I don't know. I was really doing a lot of praying and, and writing and meetings and talking my poor sponsor's ear off and, and all of that stuff. And it didn't seem to be working. It didn't seem to be working. And then there, I had an experience where it worked. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to tell you about this week's guest because this is an awesome one. Um, her name is Katie Rubin. She is an actress, a comedian, a speaker, and she's a healer. So she gets really, really into that, um, all of it. Now, she is somebody that I know, I knew from afar. Uh, we know each other from the recovery world. And you'll hear when you hear her speak, she's absolutely brilliant. And she's talking in a way that people don't talk in terms of sort of the depth of her spirituality. And so I didn't even know she did any of that publicly. I just, just was thought, Oh God, this girl's got it. And she's so interesting and, um, and so smart and so wise. And then, and then I was looking on this, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for new guests and I was looking on this recovery comedy website and I saw her face and I went, Oh my God, I know her. And so I reached out to her about doing this and we've been kind of going back and forth for a while and she travels a lot and it was the holidays and all of this stuff. And so then, and so then we were talking, and it almost seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And we ran into each other yesterday, and we both go, God, I want this to happen. And she comes up with the brilliant idea of, let's do it today. It was a Sunday. Why not? It was much better. I get very stressed doing these podcasts in the middle of the workday because I have so much to do for the After Party Chat website that I'm distracted and I'm worried about the emails coming in. And this was so nice. There was some drama. I couldn't find my key card usual shit with me. But, um, but anyway, it was, it was fantastic. And, uh, you are going to love this one. And I, I actually want her to come back. We didn't even get into this. Like, Oh, what was your first drink? When did you get sober? You know, any of that. We, we didn't have time. So anyway, with that, I give you Katie Rubin. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Who write books in jail. Yeah. Like there's this guy, Edward Bunker. I, I don't, I've never read him, but supposedly, you know, it's like... It happens. But 
Okay, so we've started, by the way, cool. mid your well, uh, kind of the end of this crazy story you were telling yeah. me that had to do with drugs. Totally. It didn't have to do with addiction. Smuggling the drugs. But that's about this like crazy kid. We're, I'm going to look this up. And, oh, like, yeah. Put, I wanna, it's either Snap Judgment or one of the other big ones. And for your listeners, the short version is this 18-year-old yeah. kid goes to the Bahamas or something, and he's like, meets a guy on day one, and guy's like, hey, do you want 10K to, take, to drive this boat to New Jersey? And the kid is 18 and doesn't know any better and goes, sure, gets to New Jersey Harbor, and the cops are there waiting for him to seize the marijuana. Right. He's got 10K in a backpack that he jumps off the boat with and goes on the lamb and buries the 10K in the ground. And Peter Sagal, I think it was Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Okay. That's what it was. Oh. Because at the end, Peter Sagal goes... The story happens, and everybody's like, oh, my God, amazing story. Peter Sagan's like, hold on. That's not it. That's the main the question is, is the money still in the ground? That was my question. Yeah. Well, didn't he live off of, what did he live off of on the land? I don't know. Well, he's very industrious, so we'll assume he found something else. And maybe he wasn't on the lamb for years. Maybe it was a short amount of time. Okay, okay. I don't remember the details of how long he was on the lamb. Right, right. It was a better story when it was five years. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> Okay, but let's talk about a like just how how random that the, today worked out. Yeah, and and like what I was thinking as I was driving over here was, it's like we've had conversations, but we haven't had conversations because we've heard each other share. Right, right. and it's a re- like because I know all this stuff about how you feel about things. That's hilarious. Isn't that the funniest thing though about yeah. recovery, like addiction, AA, yeah. whatever? Yeah, is twelve steppy places. Yeah, is that you kind of know how people feel inside yeah. but you know nothing about the details of their life or their last name ever right i know i know i'm a big like i'm not down with that like oh put me in your phone with my first name only thing like i get that people do that uh-huh. but it's, i don't do it yeah i mean and it's like my first year i had to you know like john c mm-hmm. and um you know and then like company like i'd put like aa like it just yeah. was weird yeah just it's fine. Well, the thing about anonymity is it's supposed to be for press, radio, and film. Like, we're not doing right know, now. Thank we you. just broke we, it we'll already. We'll get into that if yeah. you want. Yeah, sure. About, like, why and how. And Well, I have a good story about that, tell actually. Me. Okay, so when I was a year so... No, that's not true. Four years sober. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I got sober in New York City. Right. I moved back to Miami because about a year into sobriety, I sort of woke up in Manhattan and went, what the fuck am I doing here? And what are all these buildings? And I got to get the fuck out. Also, I would add, having lived in New York for three years of my sobriety, it was t- it was not a fun place to be sober. I could not hang. Yeah. I got so not so... I was so hammered. New York was about partying for me. And yeah. like dudes and money and yeah. party and all that. Yeah. So then I moved back to Florida. Okay. Where are I'm, you from there? I'm from Miami, Florida. That's bizarre. It is bizarre. Nobody thinks you are, well, right? I, who is from Miami? Well, people, but not people like you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. I know what you mean. Everyone thinks you're from New York. Everyone thinks I'm from New York, oh, so they surely think you are. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, Jew from New York, yeah. right? No. Okay. Miami. Anyway, so I go back to Miami and wait, what story are we on now? We're on like how you left New York. New York. Oh, an anonymity. Technically, oh, we're on oh that. okay. Yeah. So cut to. So I'm in Miami. I get soberer in Miami. Yeah, I get yeah. to do the deal, whatever. Yeah. Then I go to grad school in Northern California. Okay, where'd you go? UC in- Davis. My mom taught there. Get out of Dodge. Yeah, not not while you were there. When I was growing up, she got her PhD there, and so she was an adjunct professor. She taught like freshman English. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spent a lot of time there. So I got my. Oh, so you know the area. Yeah, I'm from Marin. It's, yeah. It was a commute for my mom. Oh, you're from Marin? Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of moving back up there. What? Yeah. I'm not a NorCal person. No? No. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, because you want to go far from home. 
Well, that, but also you don't seem like a Norcal. You seem like a but LA neither person. do you. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> I know, right? No, you do. I mean, I could see it. So why are you thinking okay. of going there? Well, I'll okay, tell you that in a second. Story. But yeah, the yeah. story is that uh, I go to grad school. Yeah. My first solo show takes off like wildfire. Sorry, stop. What did you study? I got an MFA in acting. Okay. Okay. And my, while I was there, I had finished writing this first solo show before I got to grad school. I play seven Jungian archetypes in the show and I, mm-hmm. they're all aspects of my own psyche and I, right. and it's a recovery story. It's the story of how I started to know God. Right. Okay. So then, uh, that show takes off and starts to go all over the place. And, uh, oh, so then I start like keynote speaking a lot right, and I start right. doing a lot of work in public speaking, whatever. Now yeah. I have an attitude of like, I don't care who knows I'm sober, yeah. like whatever. So I'm just breaking my anonymity yeah. left on the news, yeah. in yeah. the newspaper. I, you know, I've done the same exact thing. Don't care. Mentioning AA, quoting the big book, right, all the right, stuff. Right, right, right. So one day, and I'm friends with a lot of people in recovery yeah. at the time, right? So one day I get a letter in the mail. Oh, from AA? From my friend Lee. I got one from AA. Okay, the one you were talking about today. No, different Lee. This is a NorCal Lee. Okay, okay. Lee's a buddy of mine, but he happens to be the chair of the blah, blah, blah Uh, committee. uh, And he's like, dear Katie, and we really appreciate you. And look at what all you're doing for the community. And maybe you want to consider when you're in the public eye, not saying that blah, 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 don't break your anonymity. And then he and I had a lovely talk about it where he was really kind and straightforward. And he basically said, the thing is when celebrities come out and go, I'm sober in AA. And then they get drunk. It makes AA look like the problem. When, Did you tell him that's a ludicrous thing that people say? Because I find it absolutely We'll say more crazy. about that. Why? Because, first of all, um, <laughs> like nobody looks at, I don't even want to name one of those celebrities, and goes like, that's a model of honesty and commitment. We live in a cynical world that seems to understand, most of the world, understands that that's a mea culpa, that's a public... I, I got in trouble and I'm going to you know, prove I'm, I'm sorry. But I just don't think... Like, okay, if somebody uh, goes to college and they drop out, nobody goes, well, college doesn't work. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, it's absolutely but, insane. But it is what people do with AA. When people go, I got sober and I'm famous and my name is whatever it is and you all know me from X movie, right. then I got yeah. drunk, people go, well, fucking AA is a joke. I don't think that they do. You don't? You think they think that that person... I don't think that everybody assumes that. I, well, and I think if you do assume that, it's just sort of what I said. It doesn't actually make any sense. Well, nothing that most people think makes any sense. That's true in a different conversation altogether. But, like, I don't know. It just... It's the the motivation behind, like, everything I do with this is... You know, because I never talked to... I, my first book is about being sober. Mm-hmm. Getting, you know, being on... You know, whatever. Being yeah. an addict and getting sober. And when I first promoted that... Well, first of all, I changed all the language because I wanted to protect the program. Oh. So I, I called like a men's <laughs> apologies. Like I did, I changed it, you know, but, but then I realized when I started doing this writing and seeing like all the horrible things that people would write about a, they're very active online. The people who yeah. dislike the program uh-huh. that I just felt like it's defenseless. And if I can, you know, I'm certainly no spokesperson. I'm certainly no perfect sp- sober person, but mm-hmm. if I can, do anything to change that negative perception i'm gonna try mm. it doesn't mean i'll you know if i go out that doesn't yeah nullify I anything I mean, look, so what do you think well i'm on your page i mean i my, my thinking is 
I mean, my solo shows were so like, I did them for 10 years. I did four solo shows and they're all the most naked fucking thing you right. can think of. It's all like, here's all of my pain and all the humor and all the right. right. Because I needed to do that and I needed to be seen yeah. at that time. But frankly, the, 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 what the people, I mean, the shows kept getting booked and the people kept liking the stuff because they would come up to me crying after yeah. and say, thank you for being honest and being naked up there. Because right. what is the purpose of art and theater and all that shit? It's to to talk about the truth in some way that hopefully elevates things or raises consciousness or touches people. For me, it's about touching people, changing the world, awakening people, raising consciousness. And when you could do that with art, I think then you've done your job. I mean, that's my point of view. about So I'm not going to hide everything I've ever done on a stage. I openly go like, so I got sober when I was 23. Right. And then in recovery, they teach you blah, blah, blah. And then I learned this. And then, you know, my healing school story, which is a thing we can talk about if you want to, happened because recovery. So how can I leave it out? Yeah, I know. You can't. If you're trying to help people in life, you got to tell them the truth. I know. Because people can't, you can't leave a detail out and expect people to not feel that. People feel the bullshit and anything that's bullshitty. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how you feel. I mean, I feel like you've had two like most important things that have ever happened to you. But for me, it's the, you know, because of your shift that you had in recovery. This is the part about how we've had conversations without having conversations. So I know this about you, (laughs) but, but you know, it's the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. So how could I, it changed everything, Mm. you know? Mm. So I, I agree. Like, how could you how could you talk about I, your life I, I without that? And I don't think there's a... But I, I do hear the argument they make. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I hear the value of it in theory. I don't... What I try to do is toe the line. Like, if I'm yeah. on... I'm in so many meetings, and I'm so in that community, that if I am on something on a screen somewhere, I don't want to... I'm not going to do the anonymity thing. But if I'm doing my show on a stage, I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. Because... Nobody's endorsing that. That's right. me touring the world and being like, here's my deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I was once on a CNN show and it was about some celebrity. And I said, they said, you know, they asked you the questions and they said ahead of time, blah, 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 hey, hey. And I said, I can't, I can't talk about that. You can't ask me about that. And then they did. Mm. They were like, sure, no problem. And then five minutes later, they did. What'd you do? I was, I, I just sort of changed the subject, mm-hmm. but I feel, I mean, I do, although I was very adamant about my opinion about, you know, how that's a, a silly argument that mm-hmm. AA doesn't work because that I still feel like I've maybe done this wrong sometimes. Well, it's like, do you ever feel like you want to respect, this is how I feel about it. I want to respect the boundaries anybody I care about sets for me. Right. And AA sets boundaries for me. AA right. goes, look, don't go on TV and go AAAA. Yeah. So I go, I love you, AA, so I'll do what you say. Right. It's like if I'm dating someone and they're like, don't fuck other people. Right. I'm like, right. okay, you got it. But so why is it different right now? What do you mean? That the, we're talking com- about, yeah. Well, the way I'm thinking about it is this is a sobriety podcast. Yeah. This is a podcast where we've all agreed collectively. Yeah. We're listening to this and most people listening are probably sober. Or Or wannabe be. Yeah. or connected to it. And if we were to talk about it and not talk about AA. Yeah. It's not like we're on CNN. Right. Where the majority of, see, I think this is the point. Majority of people listening to CNN don't know what Anything. the fuck yeah. they're talking about yeah. or what addiction is yeah. or, you know, whatever. And they've got their judgments and their points of view. Yeah. And so if you just throw it out there, you're, you're leaving it to the wolves. Yeah. Whereas here, 
Well, yeah. And I mean, it's all, that brings up a good point too, which is it's also radically different from what we, how we live, that it's pretty much impossible to understand unless you're in it in some way. Mm. I don't know about you, but people told me about it ahead of time mm. when I needed it. And I said, <laughs> that sounds like hell on earth. And I actually don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, right. The words don't make any sense to no. people. For, but you know what I find very interesting? is that the words make a lot of sense to other people who've done any kind of... If you've had to dig into yourself and do deep personal growth work, and you start throwing words like surrender and letting go and like taking responsibility for your part in things, if people have done personal growth work, they get it. It's the people who haven't looked at themselves at all or who are on layer zero heading to layer one. Those are the ones who are like, what... I have a question. Yes. Do you ever envy those people? All the time. Me too. All the time. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. I know. The thing is, though, and this comes back to where we were this morning. Yeah. The room we were in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the topic at hand, which was, for me, was about this journey into the heart yeah. that I talk about, and uh, or that I was talking about today. Like, what I envy a lot of the time, and I've, I've said this many times, is that there are people further, quote unquote, further along in their career, mm-hmm. meaning by America's standards mm-hmm. of money and status and mm-hmm. what TV shows they've been on and mm-hmm. I haven't, mm-hmm. because they're so numbed out to the experience of life that they just bulldoze through everything, which is how mm-hmm. I lived. Yeah. When I was high all the time, I accomplished like a ninja. Really? Oh, I was so on top of my shit and I was dying inside. But I could bulldoze through anything. Now I'm like this sensitive flower and I got to rest and I can't bulldoze the way I used to. Yeah. Most people in my life, if anybody heard me say this, and I say it all the time and they always say this to me, they're like, Katie, you create all the time. You're you're doing tons. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But I know the inner experience of me and Mm -hmm. what I could be creating. Like I could be... I'm making this up, and Mm -hmm. maybe this isn't true at all. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I could be Jon Stewart by now. Right. But I'm not Jon Stewart. Right. I'm some Katie Rubin in an office on Hollywood Boulevard. Don't act like this isn't a really big deal. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you could be. I could see it. You know know? what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But don't you think at a certain point, I mean, all I did writing books was go, you know, your first book, we all think we're going to be that one. Right. We all think a million it. tiny pieces or whatever that book yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we think that, and I I've now watched so many friends go through it because yeah. and you you know it's it's sort of like you sort of try to say like level your expectations, but like you all think that, and the publishers are so excited about first novels and first books that mm. they all they make you feel like that. Mm. And then you know I spent years wondering why my books didn't sell better, bitter. Why did like th- I deserve mm. this until I ha- had the thought first. The thought was. What, what makes me know I haven't gotten more than I deserve? Mm. I mean, I've gotten stuff. So who says I deserve? Like, there are people who want this. Mm. And then and then it was, mm. you know, I truly believe it all happens the way it's meant to. And maybe, you know, if, if Party Girl had been this massive success, I would have gone out. Who knows, right? You know? Who knows? And also, the thing that we know, too, I assume, is that success all that external stuff doesn't work anyway. Doesn't do it anyway. But yeah. it's it's interesting to watch the ways that some people get it. Yeah. And like, okay, there are some people in the meeting we go mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. I could think of, I'm not obviously not going to mention, mm-hmm. who have certain levels of success and who 
are a mess and mm-hmm. falling apart. Then there are other people in that room who have that level of success and they're not a mess. They're doing great. The people who don't have that level of success, you mean? No, they do. Oh, okay. I'm saying there okay, are they're both. Who are all these successful people in our meetings? I, when we turn off, you, you have to tell me. I will. I didn't know. Secretly, I will. But no, yeah. but there are people doing really well yeah. who are a mess. Because yeah. they're in... Because the... Okay, this is my latest theory. I'm making this up. But I, I think it might be true. Mm-hmm. There's two axes. Mm-hmm. And they may just be one. Right now, I'm perceiving them as two. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening, like I'm doing my arms yeah. in the shape of an, like an X. Yeah. Okay. So one axis is like abundance and money success mm-hmm. and full, like career, fame, status, yeah. money. Okay. The other axis that crosses it the opposite direction is the heart yeah. and healing and wellness and peace and ease in one's being. Yeah. Now, uh, I do see, I, there are people that we both know mm-hmm. who have that upper thing, mm-hmm. the first axis pretty fucking solid mm-hmm. like they're rocking it they're in the tvs and movies and they're bigger mm-hmm. than that but their heart axis is just fall- breaking apart and mm-hmm. dying and they don't understand why because i have all the things so da, right. da. but it's a different axis yeah they're not the same axis yeah okay then there are other people who i see who they're up there and they're achieving and they're and they're and i'm their heart is softening and they're not they've they've come to the sort of a, at least the beginning of the other side of what's possible with heart growth right and so it's not black and white that just because, you know... Yeah. It isn't. I think it's harder when you have uh, success to open the heart. I think it's... You know what I mean? I think that... Um, I, I just think that... Okay, so so when I've seen people before and after great success, um, a lot of them have become absolute nightmares. And a portion have not. And I, I think that's about how you're raised. I think if you are, you know, you feel empty and, you know, you've been criticized and it's emotional abuse or whatever, and you get that, you're like, okay, fine. This is, this is the way I was meant to be treated. Mm -hmm. Finally, I'm here, Mm. you know, and, and if you've been sort of quote unquote raised right Mm. and you have the humility Mm. and that success doesn't destroy you. Mm. I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I do see that being the case. I also have seen it. I think that's, um generally pretty true statement right although i do everything to me is all transformation is always possible right in other words i've seen i've also seen it where someone's got super issues childhood time grow up become super successful become a nightmare and then hit bottom from there yes. and yes. and then realize oh fuck like you know their life okay Br- let's look at britney spears i don't know her story i don't know her at all right but if you even just from the outside right. making all kinds of assumptions yeah. right child star Huge fame, yeah. all the money, all the power, all the sex appeal. Yeah. Shaves her head, goes crazy. Umbrella hitting a paparazzi. Bipolar. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. We don't see her for a minute. Yeah. People go, look, get your shit together. You're going to lose this whole empire. She goes, oh, oh, fuck. Gets her kids back. Gets her shit together. Is a little shaky and all fucked up. But like you can, she's out there being smiley and cute, but it's different. See, when you see Britney now, it's a different energy than Britney four years ago or five years ago where it was all sex and dick and pussy. Now Britney's like, I'm a mom and I'm sweet because, because I believe because I read people energetically. This is a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Mm-hmm. The kid ha- went through some heavy shit. And yeah, she's protected and she's got the people making her life easier and the money. But she had to go through a big change. That was a huge change. Yeah. I mean, I'm just too... I hear you, but I'm just way too cynical to be like, oh my God, so she bottomed out and her heart opened now. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Okay, well, let me, do, let me do a better example. Okay. I've seen people... 
I don't, I don't, I've seen people where it happens like that. Yeah. For example, I'm thinking of a guy, this is bad because you don't know him, but a guy I know in Northern California mm-hmm. from meetings, mm-hmm. super multimillionaire insurance sales mm-hmm. or something. I don't even understand what he mm-hmm. does. Businessy, insurancey, something. Mm-hmm. Like blow up one corporation, doesn't care, starts another one. Yeah, super manifester. Yeah, right. Super da-da. Finally sober. Now he comes to meetings and his head is hung, and he's like, "I don't know what I'm doing." And this time it's different, and everything hurts all the time. And I'm showing up to work and just doing what I know how to do, but I feel like an asshole, and I don't know how to like like reconcile these two worlds yet. And da-da-da. he's he's losing his shit, mm-hmm. but he's in the middle of a breakdown, breakthrough. Mm-hmm. At the highest level of financial blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah that you can be at. So, like, it happens in all shapes and sizes. Yes. Generally speaking, what you're saying, of course, people become nightmares because they don't, they don't have the established heart thing first. Yeah. And I think especially when you're talking about uh, that level of fame, when it's artifice and it's whatever, like I said, I think it's a lot harder there, you know, that when the world is humbling you. And you're, and you're responding to that not with bitterness. It's a lot easier to have that heart open and, and to live like that. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, I mean, do you think had you become the female John Stewart, mm-hmm. that spiritually you'd be where you are? I don't. I can't answer the question. Yeah, okay. What I know is this. Like, I, and then I tell this story when I talk my, tell my sobriety story is that, you know, I, you've heard me say this before, mm-hmm. but like I... I my life was doing pretty great uh, when I totally broke down seven years sober. Mm-hmm. Like, I had all the things at that moment that I wanted, mm-hmm. like leading roles and stuff. And my show was touring nationally, and I was earning, they was making like five grand per show, which at that time, you for know. Us, for a one woman show? Yeah. That's amazing. Colleges, touring, da da da, the whole thing. And uh, I was so tight inside my body. I felt tight all the time and like stressed and anxious and my heart hurt so much uh, that I couldn't take another step forward without addressing it. Mm-hmm. I, so I think whatever place I would have been in at that moment, I couldn't have taken another step forward without mm-hmm. addressing it. And mm-hmm. then the, addressing it was a whole sidebar journey, which mm-hmm. has become a whole other thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But but it's a fair question, and I think about it all the time. Like, ha- what if I had just barreled through with that tightness and said, like, well, fuck it. I'm going to just be tight and go to L.A. now and make it big. And mm-hmm. Uh, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It sounds exhausting. But don't you believe that everything happens exactly the way it's meant to or not? Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, big macro, yes, I do believe that. You know when you're in your own life, though. I... It's, I, I struggle with everything mentally that we learn that I don't. <laughs> That's great. No, but the things I, yeah, I'm really in this right now. I'm so aware. I sort of talked about this this morning of the way my brain automatically goes to, uh, it, it's all over. It's, um, this, you're not going to get this thing. Like, and, and that I have to counter it with like this, uh, this idea of abundance and joy, like mm. literally just thinking those words and having some <sighs> visual image. And I'm, you know, I'm 14 years sober. Mm. What's been happening these 14, like, you know, I think it changes once we become aware of it. Have I really been doing this? I know we've been, you talk about it the minute you get into recovery. Right. And so it's right. so crazy to me that it's, I'm, it, and it's not like it's just turned up right now. It's like I've become aware in a way that I see it's always been there. So you're talking about 
correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds to me what I'm hearing you talk about is the journey from the head to the heart. Because you're talking about, I got these concepts, I employed them in my mind, and now, like this one that you're referring to has gone kunk and dropped down into your being a little more deeply, where you're like, oh, that's what we mean when we say ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I don't look at it that way, but yeah. How do you look at it? I look at it like, um, I just don't think of it as like dropping into the heart. I just look at it as, you know, sort of waking up Mm. and going, oh my God, this has been happening this whole time and it's been causing me this this low-grade pain Mm. and it's ugly to see it and it's horrible to see it. But when I've seen these things, that's when um, I start to change them. And what was the thing that was causing the low-grade pain in this case? Just... It's it's just literally like the constant. The, I never realized that when I was going from oh my god I got this or oh my god I got him or oh, whatever external thing oh, oh I, I bought see. this yeah. that as soon as that faded my mind would revert back to oh yeah mm-hmm. self hatred oh okay got it okay, you know got it now I get it and um and hmm. to see that is to be able to to shift it but it's awful to become aware of it Mm, okay you know yeah i do know i totally know do you and or have you had that voice is that what the seven-year breakdown was about (sighs) um yes and no that was a part of it um that was totally a part of it in that i had all these i had achieved all these things and i was suffering all day every day Mm -hmm. um and then the the suffering no longer occurs in that way in my heart because through a process of healing that had nothing to do with any of those outside things, which showed me, oh, healing is here mm-hmm. in your heart and what job you're doing and what money you're making is here mm-hmm. on this other place, mm-hmm. you know, this other axis. So mm-hmm. you can be successful or not. And your heart will be healed when you deal with your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I got out of it. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of the thoughts about anything, mm-hmm. you know, my mind going like, you could be further along or why aren't you la la la. Thoughts for me, I deal with by coming back to the heart. Mm-hmm. These days, mm-hmm. because where I, personally where I meet my spiritual source is mm-hmm. is through my heart. Mm-hmm. So I try not to give precedence or power to any of the thoughts that emerge mm-hmm. and just go right back to the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so how do you go back to the heart? Okay, like, now, what does that mean? That's a great question, because that is the question. Um, I'm going to move this. Yeah. Okay, so... That's the question, by the way, that had me go to a three-year energy healing school. I wasn't necessarily interested. Like, that wasn't, like, what I thought my life was going to be for three years. Mm -hmm. But I needed to understand. Like, I had been going to fucking... I can curse, right? I've been doing it this whole time. I've been going to meetings for so long at that point, and I had been such a, like... I'm sure you can relate, like, type A student about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to recovery, and I did everything right, Mm -hmm. and I worked the steps, and I... Mm -hmm. And I did everything wrong, but you know what I mean. I was a bullet train about it. Like, got in, and I did the things, and I read the book, whatever. And I was meditating twice a day. Mm -hmm. I had um, TM for Mm -hmm. six years, Mm -hmm. okay? Every day, twice a day. Yeah, I do Religiously, okay. And I know that you can do it and have it not be spiritual and not be helpful to the heart. Well, for me, what happened was this, is that... 
what I needed, okay, so I'm doing the transcendental meditation mm-hmm. and I'm going to meetings and I'm hearing people say things like, I prayed this morning and then I felt relaxed mm-hmm. or like I prayed this morning and then everything let go off my shoulders mm-hmm. or I meditated and it just all went away and I realized it was not important. Mm-hmm. I was doing mm-hmm. twice a day seeing healers, cranial sacral, somatic, chiropractic, polarity balancing, mm-hmm. toning, meditation, serenity baths, mud pa- I was doing everything and getting none of those results mm-hmm. that these fuckers in the meeting were like, I prayed for five minutes mm-hmm. and I felt good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, somewhat, something's off here because mm-hmm. I should be able to feel better if they are. There's no difference between Jenny Smith and a meeting across a room and me. If they're telling the truth. Okay, if they're telling the truth. So I set out on a journey to find out how do you get the light of the divine in your being? And I didn't know it was going to be through the heart. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. How do you get it in your body so that when you pray to it, something changes and yeah. you're not just praying because your sponsor said you should. Yeah. So a series of miraculous and synchronistic events occurred, which I can tell you the narrative of if yeah, you'd like to do. hear it, yeah. that, that are a part of the whole story of this that led me to this healing school that I did not want to attend, right. but that I went to because I knew in every fiber of my being it was going to answer the question of how do you connect to the divine such that you change five yeah. minutes later? Yeah. Okay, so, and like back to your question, what does it mean, go to my heart? What the right. hell does that mean? So the series of events is this. The condensed version is, I'm living in Grass Valley, California. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a lead role in a musical that I loved and adored. I'm, my solo show is touring a ton. I'm making a ton of money. And I'm, I have like a feeling like I am made of cement on the inside mm-hmm. of me. And I can get no mobility. Meditating twice a day. I'm having bipolar symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like super manic, get a lot of shit done, then crashing, depressed, mm-hmm. da-da-da. Can't stop seeing the men I don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Don't want to see them. Can't stop seeing them. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to see them. No, it's all about my dad. Mm-hmm. Can't stop. Mm-hmm. Can't stop uh, binge eating. Mm-hmm. It's better than it was when I got sober, but it's still got me. Mm-hmm. Done all the therapy about it. Get that it's about my mom. <laughs> Can't right. do it different. Right. Uh, I go to a psychotherapist who puts me on. Uh, bipolar medication, mm-hmm. Seroquel, Lamictal, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have the symptoms, up, mm-hmm. down, up, down. The, the meds give me seizures in the middle of the night. So I oh wake up God. in the middle of the night. My hands are in fists that I can't mm-hmm. unfurl. Uh, my jugular's popping out so bad I can mm-hmm. see it in my peripheral mm-hmm. vision. It's mm-hmm. awful. I have to get down on the ground. The, the room spins. Oh, my God. Happens every night once I start the drugs. I call the EMTs. By the time the EMTs would get to the house, because I thought I was dying. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening the episode would pass yeah. and they'd be like, why'd you call us? Right, and I'd yeah. be like, I was dying a minute ago. Yeah. They're like, sure you were. They leave. So this happens uh, many nights in a row. Why didn't you just stop the medication? Well, quickly I figured it out. I mean, maybe four or five nights into this. Oh, okay. Like I'm having seizures nightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first I'm thinking like, you also have to understand that's a fair question but at the time I was so fucked up internally and like so high on caffeine and on the sex with the random dude I had and all the shit that... I couldn't perceive what was up and what was down. And I was so depressed, Anna, like so depressed and then so on top of the world that I had no gauge for what was causing what. Mm -hmm. Finally, one day I figure it out and I call the psychiatrist and I go, listen, these are my symptoms. This is what's happening. She says, those symptoms don't happen on those drugs. You're having panic attacks. We're going to put you on another drug. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I go... 
uh, no, we're yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. And I have a moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. What do you need? You lost something. Uh, well, water, and it was right next to me. Mm. Go on. So I have a moment of clarity where I realize that... So sorry, yeah. No problem. That uh, it's, the, it's the drugs, right, causing this reaction. Question. Were you yeah. not Googling and going, Seroquel, seizures? No. Um, in those four days. Or whatever, when I she says I that. I think I didn't. Okay, because since they say everything online, I'm sure that was online, even if those were not the symptoms. You're probably right. But the, knowing me, I wouldn't have believed it. Okay. Because I was insane. Okay. And also, I, I don't tend to operate that way. I tend to, like, have to know something myself. Okay. Which is not always the best way to do it. Maybe not, but maybe it is. Okay. <laughs> it's not. Okay. But that's how, I don't know what happened. Look, so, okay, go on. Go on you're right. right. So you're cool seizures, but I didn't know. Okay. And yeah. I didn't Google it. Yeah, yeah, fine. So finally I call her and I say, here's what's happening. Yeah. She goes, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Panic attacks. I go, I'm not taking another drug. Yeah. The drug, the reactions happened. I got on the drugs. Yeah. She goes, sorry, that's not true. I hang up on her. Mm-hmm. I throw the drugs away. Mm-hmm. I don't titrate off. I just stop taking mm-hmm. them. I get on my knees. This all happens in a 24-hour period. I get on my knees, and I'm really sincere, and I'm crying, and I go, I need help. you gotta, you got to help me because you know what I'm doing spiritually. I'm meditating twice a day. I'm helping all these people in sobriety. Mm-hmm. I've done all the 12 steps. I've been in therapy 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I just was so broken. In Sufism, we talk about, they say that prayers work the degree to which you get a response from God is directly proportional to this, do, the, the degree of sincerity of the prayer. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming from your heart and mm-hmm. being like, no, really, mm-hmm. please help me, mm-hmm. it can respond. Right. But if you're coming from your head because somebody said you should pray, yeah. there's no sincerity in it, so the energy can't respond to you because the energy, the level that God lives at, if you will, is not doesn't even hit when you just toss it out there. Yeah. You have to be with it in your heart. Yeah. So I say to God or whatever and I don't know who I'm praying to, help, and I hear a voice. Mm-hmm. And the voice says, "Go to the bookstore right mm-hmm. now." Mhm. <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. And it's so distinct that I'm like, "Okay, sure." So I go to the bookstore and I get to the bookstore and I, there's a chair across the room. I have a quick room. question. I'm please, sorry. Please. So when you say you hear a voice, yeah. does it come as a thought that's in right. a different voice than is your thought? Is I, that what that means? I understand that question. Uh, now, okay. You know, I, now, this is now eight, yeah. ten years later from then. Yeah. I, I have a very, um, I can answer that question very well because uh-huh. I understand now how this works. At the time, the way it happened I think it was similar. I just didn't know. But at the time, it, it happened like a passive knowing, like an intuitive sense of something mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe I should go to the bookstore. Okay. But it wasn't like, maybe I should go to the bookstore. It was like, you you should go to the bookstore. Right. And I knew, and then in my body, I knew I should go to the bookstore. Right. Like that. Okay. Okay, now I can cut, cut forward. I will tell you that now something I know is that the difference between a thought that I'm generating and a thought I'm receiving mm-hmm. For me, and everybody's different, you have to develop your own connection so you can have your own answer to this question for all of us. For me, the thoughts kind of come from through the back of my head Mm -hmm. passively. They feel like passing gifts. Mm -hmm. They go like, this happens to me, this is a silly example, but like every single time my phone rings, Mm -hmm. through my head goes, I wonder how Anna's doing. And then you call me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now it happens every time. Not just every now and again. It happens every Hold on. single time. Every time someone calls you, you know who it is? I'm going to say 96% of the time. 
Okay. Okay. I want to argue with you. It's so funny. I want to be like, well, I mean, don't we all kind of get called by the same six people? So, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. No. Okay. You don't know when your dad's going to call or yeah. when Chris from Sacramento is going to call. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or also, like, why would you call it one fifteen instead of 6.30? Yeah, yeah, And I, yeah. why do I know at one fourteen and 30 seconds? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. You can argue it and I don't need you to believe yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah. happens to me all day, every day. So wow. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe you. I'm just like always looking for holes. Sure. I mean, you know? and it's the, the kind of thing I can't, uh, there's no justifying it. Yeah. It just occurs for me. So yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. 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 But I hear your point because you're coming at it from reason. Yeah. So you're operating from your mind. Yeah. Now what's happening for me happens because of what happened in the six years at the healing school right. and beyond where my heart got blasted open and destroyed and dis- decimated through the light of God, right. which then heightened my hearing, my psychic, if you will, right. hearing. Right. That shit heightens through your spiritual connection. It doesn't he- heighten because of something you decide to make yeah. heighten in your yeah. mind. All right. So back to the story. I hear intuitively, like, go, go to the bookstore. Go to the bookstore. There's an open chair. And I'm heading for the open chair because there's only one. And I go through this aisle of books. There's books on my right, books on my left. And a book on the right side, there's nobody else in the aisle, there's nobody on the other side of the aisle, a book pops out of the, sh- out of the shelf mm-hmm. and lands on the ground in front of me. Mm-hmm. Wow. The books are wedged tightly together. Yeah. They're not like lazily there and one of them's leaning off and then there yeah. was a tsunami. Oh, that's so weird. Pops that's- off the fucking okay. shelf. Okay. okay. And I bend down and pick it up and it's called Depression Free Naturally. Okay. I sit down and I grab the book and I'm like, okay. And I sit down in the chair and mm-hmm. I read the entire thing cover to cover, which I never do because I'm super ADD and mm-hmm. I can't. But I read the whole book. Mm-hmm. It describes in detail. It's a great book, by the way, for anybody interested. Depression free naturally? Depression free naturally. It's a woman who deeply studied supplements and how to treat yourself with supplements. Mm-hmm. And it describes all my symptoms. And you can find page 87, this symptom, page 89, this symptom. I go to the co-op the same day Mm -hmm. after reading the whole book and picking out the supplements that are for my symptoms. Mm -hmm. I buy all the, they're all like uh, amino acids and stuff. Mm -hmm. I buy them. I take them that night Mm -hmm. and like a black cloud fog lifts over my vision. Oh my God. And I can see the room I'm in differently. The details of the, the room, my depression lifts. I have no more manic episodes. Now, I'm not saying I was 100% free of depression, but I'm telling you that I went from, you know, operating at like 20% to operating at, let's say, maybe 49 in a In a, in a night. Yeah. Boom. Do you still take those supplements? I don't, but I did for about seven years. Why did you stop? I didn't need them anymore because I got the real healing. Right. That's the next part of the story. Right. Okay. So I take the supplements. Mm-hmm. They help a lot. Now I'm like, okay, my eyes are open enough that I can proceed with whatever's next. Mm-hmm. Same night. Mm-hmm. I take the supplements, feel better, go to sleep, mm-hmm. take a nap, mm-hmm. late evening. Mm-hmm. Wake up an hour later, there's an, I check my email. One email mm-hmm. in my inbox. And you know how when you check your email, there's never one email no. in your inbox. There's a no. hundred million yeah, emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of it's bullshit. Some of it you want to read. Yeah. One email. I'm yeah. like, all right. Now, it's from, this is, it gets even crazier now. It's from my friend Tiffany, mm-hmm. who I hadn't spoken to in five years. Mm-hmm. We were sobriety sisters in Miami okay. when I had gone from New York back to Miami, mm-hmm. whatever. Hey, guys, in Sacramento, I'm coming to Sacramento to go to this Sufi event. I need a ride from the airport. Can you give me a ride? Mm-hmm. And it's a group email to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I write her back and I go, hey, how did you know I was living near Sacramento? And like, I could probably give you a ride. And she writes back and goes, 
hey, how'd you get this email? Like, haven't talked to you in five years, and I always send this list to these same 15 people. How'd you get, who sent you this? She just accidentally put you on. And I go, you didn't just send me this? She goes, no, it's the same list I always send to. And I go, she goes, who sent it to you? I go, it came from your email address. So I come back and look in the email thing. It's from her. Yeah. To me. Yeah. She can't explain it to this day. Okay. And I'm like, all right. And she goes, you're coming to this Sufi thing. Yeah. You got to come. Now you got to come to the Sufi thing. Yeah. Clearly this is about you coming to the Sufi. Yeah. 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 So I'm like over the workshops and don't want to do it at all. And I've been to every fucking workshop and Mm -hmm. I've read every fucking book. But not the Sufi one. No, not this. Yeah. Okay. So I have no interest in Sufism. Yeah. Like, you know how we always think like, what are you passionate about and follow that? Yeah. 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 It's like sometimes, no. Yeah. Sometimes it's like Tiffany sends an accidental email. And yeah. You, anyway, so I go to this workshop. Yeah. Do we have to start wrapping up? I know. Not I'm, at all. Keep okay, going. Good. I never want to stop. <laughs> go on. So I go to this workshop and it's at a hotel in Sacramento. Now the guy, his name is Ibrahim Jaffe. He's the, I don't know if he is presently, but at the time he was the president of this healing school. Okay. Who, by the way, sidebar, works underneath just one person whose name is Sidi al-Jamal al-Rafi al-Shadali. He's got all these 100 million names. He's a, a sheikh in Jerusalem okay. whose vision to bring healing to the world was to create a Sufi healing school in the Napa Valley okay. or where, in America. And yeah. it winds up in Napa Valley. So at the time, Ibrahim Jaffe is the president. He's giving this talk, and it's a talk for new people to the path. Mm-hmm. He's at the front of the room describing what he calls the layers of the heart Mm -hmm. and the realms of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I have another experience that is super rocks me open. When he's talking, it's like he's using these words and the words are the the Mulk realm, the Malakut, the Jabiru, and the Lahut. Now, these are realms of consciousness that you can only travel to through the heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. As he's describing them, I'm hearing them as he's saying them inside of me mm-hmm. in a way where I feel like I know what he's teaching already. Okay. I, I grok him like mm-hmm. he's talking and I grok him like mm-hmm. my whole being. I already know this stuff, Okay. but I don't know how I know the stuff. Okay. And I never studied this stuff right. con- consciously in this yeah. lifetime. So I go up and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like I understand this. And I get this sense, like, this is the thing you've been looking for. This is going to heal your heart. Mm-hmm. I don't have the words heal your heart, mm-hmm. but I get that this is going to do the thing I want to have done. So I go to the front of the room, and I, and I say, I want to come to this school. I have to come to this school. And they, they say, great, that'll be $10,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I go, I have $11. Mm-hmm. Does that help me? Mm-hmm. And they go, no. <laughs> and then I go, fine, I'm going anyway. I'll mm-hmm. figure it out. So I fill out the application. They accept me. Cut to, it's three weeks from the first day of school mm-hmm. when the first $3,000 is due. Now, I'm still touring my solo shows and doing theater but jobs. But $11 if you're just all the success? Well, because I had exactly the amount of money I needed to pay for myself. Yeah. I don't have anything extra yeah, yeah, is yeah. my point. Yeah. I don't have a savings plus, account. We spend what we make. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have 10 yeah. grand laying around. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like not that much money right now, actually, as I'm saying it. Right. But 10 no. grand a year on t- when you're not planning to do it. Well, you're not planning to do it. And also for me at that time, I was making five grand per show, doing one of those every two months, yeah, yeah. doing theater jobs where you're getting paid maybe six, $700 a week if you're lucky, yeah. if you're lucky. And sometimes I would take two, $300 a week jobs right. and then teaching on the side yeah. and then, 
you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was regional theater. Hand to mouth kind of shit. Yeah. But doing really well. Doing well at yeah. that level. Yeah. Okay, I'm not, you know, I wasn't Broadwaying it at all. Right, okay. Right. So I don't have a ton of money. And they say, and I go, cool. And then it's so, okay, now it's very close to when the school's supposed to start. I don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. Universe, help me. I don't know what to do. Show me. And I've got, I'm busy. I've got jobs up the yin yang and mm-hmm. I'm doing my jobs, but they're not going to pay me an extra 10K and they mm-hmm. need three grand and I don't have an extra. So one day I'm laying on my bed. I was living, now I'm living in San Francisco because I was doing a show down in, on the peninsula and I'm living in San Francisco on my bed. And I'm just sort of like flat on my back and, I, and I'm sort of at my wits end because I'm like, how is this going to happen in three weeks, you know? Um, and I'm doing my pendulum. I'm like using a pendulum. Okay. Do you know what a pendulum no. is? It's like a thing spiritual people use. to. It's like a divining rod sort of. It's like heavy at the bottom and it's on a chain and you hold it and it'll spin one way for yes and okay. spin another way for so no. So it's a magic eight ball for spirituality. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. But... Not really that lame, but okay, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so I'm using it, and it's not helping me at all. Yeah. It's, I'm not clear. Yeah. So I call my friend Tiffany again. Mm-hmm. She's the one who started this whole thing. And I go, uh, okay, so I don't know what to do. I got no money. This has to happen. They want their money. What do I do? She goes, okay, you're going to call Sidi, mm-hmm. the sheikh in okay. Jerusalem, who, sidebar, you know, uh, garnered the peace talks in Jerusalem recently with wow. all the Palestinian leaders, and he's huge yeah. in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Call him up and ask him what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? She goes, once you take hand, which means get on this path in this particular lineage, you have access to this man for the rest of your life, any day, any time, any question you have. Mm-hmm. And he's so spiritually connected, he can hear and he can get guidance that's really clear. Call him. Okay. I go, First, I'm like, no. And then I'm like, fine, because I'm desperate. Hang up the phone, dial Jerusalem on my cell. Okay. He answers the phone, this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, like, "Uh, this is Katie Sabira, because I've gotten my Sufi name by taking hand, whatever. He says, yes, beloved, I know who you are. I start sobbing. Mm Mm-hmm. My heart feels like, and I don't know what I'm sobbing about. Mm-hmm. My heart feels like it's lit on fire, like mm-hmm. bright red. Okay. And I'm, my, now my body's shaking. I'm in my bedroom. And I always describe it like I feel like he was like he had an E.T. finger mm-hmm. that he reached across time and space and touched my heart. And it went ping. And it lit my heart on fire. Like I'm feeling fire in okay. my heart. Okay. Sobbing. And I'm trying to explain to him, I don't have any money. And I don't know how to go to the school. Now, retrospectively, now I understand what was happening in that moment. He was transmitting so much divine light that what divine light does is it burns away everything that is not that light right. in the heart. Right. So everything of mine that was shit and darkness and rage and sadness and self-hate was lighting up. Yeah. So I don't know that though at right. this time. So now I'm crying and I go, I think I, I want to go to your school. I don't have any money. I think, and my pendulum says no. So yeah. like, what do I do? And he says, no, this is trick from Shaitan. I open the door for you. I open the door for you. I open the door for you. Click. And he hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. In the middle of our conversation, yeah. just hangs it up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, now I'm shaking and sobbing and I call Tiffany back and I go, he said he's going to open the door for me. Sorry, what does that mean? Yeah. And she goes, I go, is he, is he going to pay for me? Yeah. You know, yeah. like literally taking it. She goes, yeah. no, no, no. You've got to calm down. Relax. It means he's praying for you and something's going to open. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Because in my head, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? There's yeah. no time for anything to open. I got to yeah. make three grand really fast. Yeah. I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. An hour later, 
my phone wakes me up. Mm-hmm. It's my uncle Andy, super rich uncle Andy, yeah, super generous uncle Andy. Yeah, haven't talked to him in eight months. I think at that point, out of nowhere, calls me and go. An hour later, mm-hmm. he goes, "Ruben, what's your social?" And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, my company just got bought out by Google." Mm-hmm. I made these arrangements in the contract whereby every time we hit these milestones, you, your dad, and my other brother are going to get a little cash. It's just a thing I'm doing because I love you guys. Have a good day. Oh, by the way, the first payment comes tomorrow. And don't tell me it was for $3,000. $3,000. Oh, my God. So the money literally would just funnel in from his... It would just go straight... It would just appear in your bank. It would, just, it would come in and it would be time to pay the school. Yeah. That is so insane. So I get to the school and then I could talk for three days to you about that. I mean, so were you in that? Okay. So what we're going to do, because it's, I mean, we can never stop is we're going to stop in a few minutes so we can feed your meter and then we're going to come back. Perfect. So I'm just, okay. So I just, yeah, I don't want to get us too much on the new thing, but you were, were you full time in that school for three years? The way it works there is that you go for seven days at a time and Uh you're gone for two months. Seven days on, and then you're gone for two months. So you're in and out. But when you're there, you're immersed yeah. fully, and then you leave. Yeah. So it's like you can still have a life and yeah. go there and do it. But all of this was to answer your question, which was, what do you mean when you say, Open your heart. go to your heart? Yeah. So like, here we are in America, living life. Okay, you know? well, we're back. Right. We're back. Okay. And, and hey, listener, <laughs> I had my, they know about my audio troubles. Oh. So yeah, so it, it just went haywire when I was having pretty much the best conversation of my life. And so... So now we're recording it on my phone. If it sounds like shit, just know you weren't even going to get this hat. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen. Mm. Fuck, man. But it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We're persevering. Yeah. Based on what I said before that everything happens the way it's meant to, I wonder what the reason for this is. Oh, I like that. That's Who cool. knows? That's There's a reason. Good. Yeah. I mean, part of it could just be about learning to go with the flow yeah. and not freaking out and perfectionism and letting go of that. Well, and I did notice, you know, when I was driving over here and I realized I don't have my card and there's like a whole, whatever, and, and then I call you, I'd be super annoyed if I was driving to meet somebody at two and it's one fifty one and they call and they go, I don't know if I can do it because of this thing. Oh. And you were like, okay, well, why don't you like trying to, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, I, I just appreciate that. Oh, good. It's yeah. rare, I think. I don't oh. know. I don't know. Well, this speaks to what we're yeah, talking about. I mean, I went to, I mean, I've had a huge shift in how I even, yeah. this stuff we're talking about in terms of like, I'll, I'll go ahead and, this is blunt or, or ballsy or something to say this, but I'll just say that what happened to me in that healing school and what continues to happen as I continue to do more what I call energy work, Mm -hmm. okay, which is really just clearing away anything in the consciousness or in the heart or in the psyche or in the soul, the being that blocks us from being who we really are, which I believe at the fundamental base of it, we're all generous, kind, loving, patient, all those qualities, they exist in us. Right. We just have, excuse me, in the Sufi perspective, they talk about layers of rust on the heart Mm -hmm. and how... When we're blasting the light of God into the heart, what we're doing is we're clearing all the places, all that rust, Mm -hmm. such that the qualities of God are revealed. Mm -hmm. It's not that you put them in there. Right. You clear everything that you've picked up from other human beings. Right. That then have made it seem that you're not those things. But then, so if you get that quality of patience, say, Mm. it stays 
Okay, that's a, yeah, it's a great question. Um, this is my personal experience. Okay, and this is great because it comes back to your first original question, which had us going on this, which is, what do I mean by go in your heart? Yeah. Okay, so, am I always patient? Hell no. Mm-hmm. I get impatient all the time. I got impatient today waiting in line to get breakfast with my friend. Mm-hmm. So impatient that we were like, we're leaving now. Mm-hmm. And we left. Mm-hmm. Now, what it is for me is there's a, there's a, there's a lot of pieces here. One is about, uh, allowance, what I would call allowance. Mm-hmm. So, um, in access consciousness, this is a different system, but I'm just going to use lingo from whatever system is applying to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We talk about being, being allowance, which means the metaphor is like, you're the rock in the river. Life is the river. You're a rock. You don't, you don't try to make the river not happen mm-hmm. and you don't get mad when the river brings a stick at you. Mm-hmm. You just be, you just be there. And the rock moves, you know, the river moves around you and mm-hmm. it goes over you and then it hits things against you. And then over time you're smooth and now you're a different kind of rock. Mm-hmm. That's called being an allowance. So if you call me and you're like, this thing has happened and I resist, well, what good has that done? The river is doing what the river's doing. You are the river in this case. So, do, but do you have to consciously think of that or it just happens automatically? For me at this moment with stuff like that, I don't, I don't trip about it. It doesn't, I just don't have it in me to trip about that anymore. What do you think of, you know, the neural pathways change when we react in new ways? Do you believe that? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I do believe it. I also believe another way to frame that is if you drop from your head to your heart, neural pathways are less relevant. Okay. Yeah. Because if you're living from the heart and the energetic vibration of the heart, which is very different from the energetic vibration of thoughts and thinking, uh, you're just less, your neural pathways are just not the even, yeah, they're just not the issue. Right. And yeah, I think what you just said is true. Like if you want to operate from the mind and change your neural pathways, sure. See, for example, like what you talked about in the meeting today, for me, that never worked replacing a difficult thought with yeah. abundance yeah. because for me, I would feel like I was popping up over something and right. putting a bandaid on top of something, but the thing behind it still remained. Yeah. Which is why I had that question. What do they mean when they say I prayed and I felt yeah. better? Yeah. They were people I believed. They yeah. were being sincere. Yeah. And I had read Eckhart Tolle and I'd read the shit. People have real experiences where in their body, they don't feel anxious anymore right. or mad or upset or but I would hear my uh, Alan sponsor talk about going to see her parents and not being affected. And yeah. I'd be like, you're lying. You're lying. There's no such thing. But I, this woman, I, I, you know when someone's lying. Yeah. She wasn't lying. But you never had that experience of doing work around it and then just one day you're in acceptance about your parents. And they just, you know, or, or no. about anything. Not until I got the heart thing. Okay. Now, much All more. The time. Yeah. yeah. Now, my mom is, is still a struggle, but only, I'd say, uh, 40% before it was 100%. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, shit bugs me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that's it. Yeah. And then I do my thing and I get out and I get into allowance and I let her be who she is. And then I do some clearing work around my own stuff. Like, I have all these tools now. Mm-hmm. So it's not that big a deal. Um, so, three years at that school. Right. So, three years at the school, all the trauma from my childhood, of which there was a lot, mm-hmm. ripped out of the middle of me, mm-hmm. softened, expanded, connection to God becomes a real thing. Now I have a process while I'm in that school, now meaning then, where I can pray and do the Sufi prayers. Because what happened at that school is they sort of, um, uh, 
what's the word I want to use? Like, re-resonate you? In other words, like, they transmit light at you and teach you how to open your heart, receive light, divine light, God light, the source, such that, again, anything on the heart that is not of the light gets cleared away and transmuted mm-hmm. back into light. Mm-hmm. Such that by the, for me, this isn't, I don't know what other people's experience at the school is, but for me, what would happen is after enough time there, when I would pray and we we were taught how to pray Salat, which is the Islamic five times a day prayer. Mm -hmm. Now you have to understand Sufism is the mystical arm of Islam. Okay. Okay. So it's like Kabbalah to Judaism. Mm -hmm. So some people practice Sufism with no religion at all. Mm -hmm. You can just taste the light directly. You Mm -hmm. don't have to do any of the pillars of Islam or whatever. Mm -hmm. Some paths are into like use the pillars and taste the light. This path was like that. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I didn't go there looking for religion and I'm not very big into religion, but I personally would have an experience where every time I would pray Salat, I would feel better. Mm -hmm. Everything I was upset about would just vanish and evaporate into my heart Mm -hmm. because my heart had become this chamber of light. Mm -hmm. Then I did more and more and more. And the more I did and the more I cleared, the more now other people would show up in front of me and I'd be able to have them feel into the place in them that Mm -hmm. was not of the light, open my light chamber, my Mm -hmm. heart, and transmit light at their not light thing and it would go away. And that's called being a healer. Right. So I made, that's what I started to do. And so that's what I do with people now. Now, since then, I have a whole other story about more, a different system I've integrated, but that's the heart of it. And so you started seeing clients. Started seeing clients. Um, had, like, a whole lot of peace and ease all the time. Mm-hmm. I, was, I talk about this a lot. I was, like, so expanded from the Sufi work that I had a lot of peace, but not a lot of functionality. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not functioning. Like, I couldn't support myself. I would get, like, four clients a week, and, you know, it it would just sort of flow to me, and Mm -hmm. the flow was great, but it wasn't quite enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I can talk more about that, but coming back to the question about what does it mean to be in your heart, and then does it stay? You Mm -hmm. said the thing about patience, Mm -hmm. like, does it stay? What I want to say about that is that given everything I just said, what I have now is an ability to choose a place I would be like, before I'd be like, where do you go in your body? People say like, well, just let it go. And I'd be like, let, what's the difference between it and me? Mm-hmm. What do you mean let it go? Mm-hmm. It's me. Mm-hmm. Where does it go? Mm-hmm. And if it goes, where do I then go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so let it go meant nothing to me. So what I developed was through what they taught me was go into your heart where the light is and, note, and then take that part of you that's tense because Anna's running 10 minutes late or whatever. Right. Take that into that light place where the light is and then see what happens to it. And every time it just, poof, dissolves. It's just not a thing anymore. And the people you work with. So, so you have done all this work. You've gone to the schools. So obviously they're not uh, at the same place. Right. So is the idea that you right. give them some of what you have got gleaned from all of this work? All right. Um, so you ask brilliant questions. Fantastic. All your questions are like the questions that I asked along okay, the way that perfect. got me to the next Well, no wonder I relate to so much of what yeah, you said. Yeah, you're doing great. So um, 
part of what happened for me after being practicing Sufi healing for out in the world, maybe three years professionally mm-hmm. was that, and also I should sidebar say that one of the, when we started talking about this, I think off mic, <clears throat> but one of the sidebars of me developing a spiritual connection was I got these psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Now what that word doesn't mean to me the, what most people use it to mean. It's not some oogie creepy right. <laughs> thing. It's, it basically means my awareness from the heart level was so expanded that I could just hear what's happening as it's happening, right before it's happening. Well, the phone thing. The phone thing, right. I hear who's about to call right before mm-hmm. they call every single time. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for that information. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, how can I find out who's going to come? I'm just driving my car and a thought occurs. I wonder how Justin from college is doing. Mm-hmm. And then Justin from college calls me. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to Justin in five years. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Does the thought come like the, the, yes. you should go to the bookstore thought? Yes. Okay. And the way they happen now, like I was describing before, they're like passive, like pieces of information that they come from kind of like the right to the left through mm-hmm. the back of my head. Okay. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. But also I'll have, uh, n- so in, in the school they taught us that everybody, once you connect with the divine, everybody's going to perceive answers or get guidance in different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people hear some people see, mm-hmm. some people know, some people feel. I uh, know, feel, and hear, but I don't see. Mm-hmm. I'm not very visual, mm-hmm. except when I'm in a healing with someone, and then sometimes I see. But mostly for me, it's kinesthetic, or I'll hear something, or I'll just get a knowingness that sort of vibrates all through my body. Mm-hmm. So that'll happen. I'll have a feeling of Josh. Oh, Josh. Phone rings. It's Josh. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to Josh in whenever. Mm-hmm. Why the hell is Josh calling me? Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll have a... This happened yesterday, a bunch. I kept thinking of my friend Jessica. Mm-hmm. And it, she and I were trying... The day before, we were trying to set up a time for today to get together. And then yesterday, I'd be driving and I'd be like, Jessica. And then I'd be like, oh, we were going to do that thing. And then I'd look at my email and an email had come mm-hmm. that second. Mm-hmm. And it was her... It's basically just me perceiving her energy connecting with my energy. Mm-hmm. She's calling me. That's a connection that mm-hmm. people make. And mm-hmm. it's on the heart level. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like picking up some waves of magic. It's, mm-hmm. I'm feeling your heart call me. Because mm-hmm. a telephone is just the medium we use. Your heart is the one going, Katie. Right. So, okay, so you start seeing clients. Okay, right. And, and do they go to you once, ten times? It depends on the client, mm-hmm. and it depends on the situation. Now, this brings me to the, where I am presently, which mm-hmm. is that I got to a place, <sighs> working as a Sufi healer, where I realized... In order for people to have the level of transformation I experienced through this way, they would have to become a Sufi. Mm -hmm. In other words, they would have to start doing these particular prayers and these particular practices and reading these books and maybe work with my sheikh. And then then I'm sending everybody to the healing school. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who would come to my office would then be like, well, where'd you go and how'd you learn this and how do I do it? And I think like six people went to that healing school because of me. Oh my God. I didn't send them. Right. They would be like, I'm doing whatever you did. I'm doing it. And they would go. Um... Which was cool, but I didn't feel right about... I was like, how can I do this work for people in a way where they don't have to... Go to the school for three years. Become a Sufi. Like, yeah. it's such a specific right. thing. Like, if you really want the transformation, you got to go all the way. But nobody... Keep, that's not what people are looking for. No. So, just when I started to ask that question, another kind of series of cool things occurred that 
brought this other system into my practice, which is called Access Consciousness, Mm -hmm. which listeners can check out at Mm -hmm. accessconsciousness.com. It's not my system. Mm -hmm. It's a system that exists that two men made up. Mm -hmm. Now what I do is I integrate Sufi transmission of light with Access Consciousness tools. So the tools of access allow me to do exactly what I was doing before, but in a way that comes at it from a little bit of a different angle, mm-hmm. and it's more relatable for most people. Mm-hmm. But if, I, if they knew what was really going on behind the scenes of what's happening, like when I get my hands on someone, because I do a lot of body work sessions, because mm-hmm. access has a body component, mm-hmm. as soon as I touch someone... I'm, I'm perceiving in their being where there's heaviness and light and illusions. And then the light of me is, is opening Mm -hmm. and then God is transmitting stuff into that place in them Mm -hmm. that needs it. Mm -hmm. That's happening. Mm -hmm. Sidebar, I'm doing all these access processes and talking to them out loud and asking them questions and deleting beliefs and clearing energy and running energy Mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is now some people come to me once a week some people come once a month Mm -hmm. some people come uh once a year Mm -hmm. it just depends on the person Mm -hmm. also i'm 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 working on the business end of this to figure out how to i tend to just like run a special and then 10 people come and then i don't then i do a creative project and forget about clients and then i come back and i do 10 clients and it's sort of all over the place yeah i mean that's the tough thing and like yeah i mean it's almost like it's a manager could come in and, and say like, okay, I'm going to set you up. Yeah. This is how we're going to do it. Yes. We're going to market it this way. Yes. You know, That's what I, need. I know, I know. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. They should have, I mean, they should have agents for that. They should have agents for setting up businesses huh. for creative. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then the, I don't, I'll give you 10% for that. Sure. Totally. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, and so and so, but yet, like you're performing this week, yeah. So so, it's a constant state of doing new. Sh- is this a new show you're doing? Yeah, um, this is a show called Something Different, and in it, I talk about consciousness tools uh-huh. and concepts, and then I tell jokes. Yeah, so it's like joke teach, joke teach, joke teach. But you never feel like it's not heavy handed. It's like fun. Well, I mean, because you know that's the whole purpose of this site and everything is like you trick people by making them laugh. I opened Party Girl with a menage a trois. That's I wanted to trick people into learning. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Because I always have said for 15 years doing these solo shows, if you get people laughing, yeah, you'll listen. You'll listen. Yeah. Now they're listening. Yeah. And then when you hit them with some wisdom, they're not so threatened. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just some guru talking some smack. Yeah. But if you're like, yeah. And then you have. Yeah, and you want to get them in there too. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, it could people? How long is the show? Could people in LA go? Oh, please. it's not just this week because this week is going to be over by the time this posts. Oh, bummer! Shit. So it's just this week. Yeah. This well, one. this one is the twenty second at Inside Jokes. Yeah. Yeah, which is Thursday at eight o'clock. But you have a site. Yes. So katyrubin.com. It's K A T I E. And so R-U-B-I-N. that's... R-U-B-I-N. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. So people could could go there at any time, and I'm oh, sure yeah. you update all the time oh, yeah. and share yeah, your yeah. stuff. Yeah. You also, do you still do that recovery comedy stuff? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, Well, you were a part on that site. That's how I knew you did this. So basically, I've had a ton of comedians on yeah. this, and, and I'll get ideas for guests by going to like... It's like recovery comedy. It's yeah. like a website and I'm a little business. And I, yeah. and I was like, I know that face. Oh my god! I didn't know she really did this like publicly. Yeah, 
you know, and that's yeah. when I emailed you. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So are you still doing that? I mean, that's for like conventions and stuff I'm like that. I'm on their site, yeah. and I've done a lot of AA events yeah. and recovery events and so on. Um, I'm not, that's not where my focus is right now, yeah. but those gigs come up and, yeah. I, and I take them yeah. because they're great. Yeah, I've had like Alonzo Bodden yeah. and uh, John Heffron does them, you know. And Alonzo other... Bodden's so great. He was so great. He's the guest that when he sat here, the thing wouldn't work and he walked with me to CVS oh. to get the new card and he was so sweet. He's the best. Yeah. I love him on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He's so great. I listen yeah. to him all the time on that show. Well, okay, so now we should wrap up. I kind okay. of wish I could just have you back. I yeah. do have these fantasies that I'm going to do like return guests. I love that idea. But would it be weird if I had you return like two weeks? No, <laughs> I'm into it. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, and hopefully you're going to start writing for the site, so yeah, you guys that. can know her there. So, God, thank you so much. That was even better than I expected okay. it to be. Yay! Yay. Okay. So that was Katie Rubin. Fascinating girl, right? Comic, actress, healer. Um, so much more. How did you like hearing this on three different recording devices? This is, Get used to this one you're hearing it on now, because this is the one. So thank you for listening. Keep subscribing. Please keep leaving reviews. Please keep emailing me. I love it so much. Thank you. Um, well, I'll, I'll see you next week. Bye.